In today's episode, I'm going to introduce you to why this podcast is the one to help you start a business, get your marketing right, and create a killer business strategy. Later, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself and why I created this show. Finally, we're going to look at the eight mistakes that people make who want to start a business and some practical ways that you can avoid them. Welcome to the podcast that was designed to help you start a business, achieve your max potential, get good marketing help, good business strategy help. Welcome to the podcast where we don't waste your time. We get straight to the point about this right here. You know what I mean? There's many places you can go and suffer for information overload, but not here. We get straight to the point. So look, I ain't gonna waste your time with a bunch of fluff in this joint. I'm gonna speak my mind and get straight to the point. Enough of all this intro stuff. Let's start a business. So, what is the Straight to the Point podcast and why should you care about it? All right, let's talk about that. So, first of all, it's the business podcast that gets straight to the point. Here's the deal. One thing that I hate so much is when I listen to shows or I search for information on the internet and I come across some type of information that builds up my anticipation for something that I want to know or learn. However, 10 minutes later, they're still telling me that they're going to tell me something, but they haven't told me anything. That's something that definitely deserves an angry face emoji. So I decided that when I became blessed enough to make a podcast, I would respect the people's time and get straight to the point. With that being said, here is why you should care about this podcast. First of all, each show is going to get you straight to the point about the topic at hand. We're not going to tell you a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with the topic that we're going to discuss for that day. Also, this show is designed for people who have little to no business experience. And this is a show that's going to cover all aspects of starting a business. It's just some of the things we're going to be covering. Here's just a few of the things we're going to be covering. Marketing, business models, idea evaluation, how to get financing, what type of business should you start, how to start your first business, how to get your first customers, how to develop a bulletproof entrepreneurial mindset, and a whole lot more of other good things that we're going to be talking about. This podcast is also going to challenge you to take action. And sometimes we're going to include some extra resources that you can find on our website to help you out. This is a podcast where if you want to be passive and just listen to get some good tips, it's going to be good for you. However, if you want to be able to take those tips and actually take action on them and begin to build the business that you've always thought about building, then this is going to be perfect for you as well. So that's exactly why this is a podcast that you're going to want to definitely pay attention to. Okay, so who am I and why am I doing this? Well, my name is Barry Haywood. I grew up, uh, I'm from Houston, Texas. Know what I'm talking about. For those of you in Texas, you know what I mean. But I didn't make all the right decisions growing up. You know, I always wanted to be in business. I can remember when I was younger, I would take my mother's uh, eggs and her sugar and I would sell it around the neighborhood and I would make a profit off of that and replace it before she got home. I was also that kid that didn't have much. So I went out and started a landscaping business at the age of eight. 
instead of asking my mom or somebody to give me something, I went out and figured out ways to do it myself. However, as I got older, I resorted to making music and selling it. And I can remember catching the, uh, the, the, the local Metro bus. I would catch the 163 to Sharpstown Mall. And I'd go down to the gallery as well, and I would sell those CDs that I would make. I'd make my own music, my own intellectual property, and I would sell it. And I can remember using $4 that day to get a day pass. Uh, for those of you that don't know what a day pass is, that's just a, 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 a card that'll let you ride the bus all day. And I can remember getting a day pass and, and going to the mall and giving people my sales pitch to sell my CDs. And I can remember coming back with $200 plus in cash money. Every day that I would do that. And it felt so good to be self-sufficient. And I can remember when I got my first job uh, working at Food Town. It's a little grocery store. I got a job working as a uh, a guy that bagged up the groceries and pushed the shopping carts. And I can remember that I could feel, I could feel what it was like to have to work a job where you were not in control of your time. And I can remember the day I quit. I quit because I wanted to go to do a poetry slam. You know, I used to write poetry and stuff like that. And I can remember I just really wanted to go downtown and I wanted to do this poetry and, and my boss wouldn't let me. And so I started asking him to give me a better schedule. And he, he told me, no, he couldn't do it. And so I told him, if you don't give me a schedule, man, I'm out. I quit. I quit. And the reason I quit was because once you get a once you get a taste of being self-sufficient, you'll never be satisfied not having control of your time. Um, and it just felt so good to be self-sufficient. But, you know, I grew up with no direction from a father figure. And you pair that up with greed and, and a young person's mentality. Not saying that young people are bad, but I began to make some bad business decisions, if you know what I mean. It was very profitable, but it was not sustainable because it wasn't legal. And, and after that, I joined the Marine Corps. Um, got out the Marine Corps, found myself in a homeless situation, started a couple more businesses. Some did good, some didn't. And I'll be sure to include my failures on this show, uh, such as and my successes, such as most recently I was accepted into the Startup Leadership Program, which is a globally recognized group for CEOs and founders. Um, you know, recently I served as the chief chief operating officer of a tech startup. Uh, in San Diego, I started one tech company. That one blew up. And, and that's a story that we're going to cover. That's a failure we got to talk about. But now I currently run a company that's dedicated to providing strategic business startup solutions, um, competitive advantage creation and analysis, as well as overall firm direction. So w w what I do for you guys is I bring a unique perspective. I bring a business perspective from the streets a business perspective from the corporate world and the startup world, as well as some formal business education um, sprinkled on all top of that. So that's enough about me. Let's get straight to the point about what you guys really want to hear about. And that's the eight mistakes that business founders uh, usually make. Okay, so what are the eight mistakes that most business owners make? Here's the thing. I know a lot of people, including myself, make mistakes when starting a business. And I decided to make this the topic of the first episode because uh, it's an easy topic to get into. And it's a very good topic for those of you that want to start a business to kind of give yourself a system of accountability that you can hold yourself to to avoid doing these things that can severely injure you, hurt you, or kill your business before you even get started. 
So the first mistake that business owners make is letting the idea drive the business. Here's the deal. Your business idea is not a business and your business idea is not a business opportunity. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of people who, you know, fail in business because they think they have a great idea. However, you know, I heard one of my mentors say a great idea isn't a great idea until that idea makes money. So don't let the idea drive the business. Let strategy drive the business. Okay. The second mistake I see, uh, people make is they start focusing on raising money too early. I'm going to say that again, focusing on raising money too early. How is that a mistake, Barrett? I know a lot of you are probably wondering, well, how is that a mistake? You need money to get your business started. Well, yes and no. No, you don't. Sometimes you don't need money to get started. You can do a technique called bootstrapping, and we'll be talking about that and many techniques and how you can do these things as, as we go through the show. But here's why focusing on raising money too early can definitely be a big mistake. Here's why. Sometimes people will never take the first step of getting started in business because they feel like they don't have the money that they need. So a false belief of thinking that you need money in order to get started will prevent you from taking action. And the worst thing about inaction is you're losing the most precious resource, which is time. Time is too precious. My future business owners and millionaires, it's too precious. Don't focus on raising money too early. Focus on getting proof of concept, focus on generating interest on what you want to do, focus on getting people to pre-sign up for something that that can benefit them, don't focus on trying to raise money too early, focus on providing value, okay, the third mistake is hiring friends, family members, strangers, and those smart people, okay, here's what I mean, sometimes we hire our friends and our family members, and the reason that can be a mistake is, One, if you guys aren't really ready for it and the business doesn't go well, it could put stress on the relationship that could, you know, have ramifications that carry on for longer than the business that failed. The second thing is if you have not carried yourself in a professional manner around your friends and your family or if they aren't used to seeing you, you know, be serious, you may be at a position in your life where you're ready to step up and be serious about business and these people may or may not respect you or give you the respect that you deserve, or they may feel like that they have special privileges um, with you and they will undermine your leadership in front of other employees. Now, does it always happen this way? Absolutely not. So is it always a mistake to hire your friends and your family members? Absolutely not. So take that one with a grain of salt. But remember, this mistake is hiring friends, family members, strangers, and those smart people. What I mean when I say hiring strangers, hiring people that you don't know, allowing somebody to be your co-founder that you just met at the bar and you guys had a really good conversation and you guys really started brainstorming some ideas and you guys had some great ideas. Now you decide you want to go in business. Listen, be very weary. Be very cautious about going into business with strangers, man. Business is like a marriage. Think about this. When you bring somebody into your business and you sign paperwork with them, it's just like getting married. Both your names going to be on bank accounts. Both your names going to be on taxes and tax returns. You know, both of you are going to be responsible for any debt that gets attached to the business. 
And if you guys separate, it's going to be devastating, you know, to the business. It's going to cause some 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 situations where y'all might have to go to court. So it's very important that you be very cautious when hiring people, hiring people that you don't know to be a co-founder or to be a key personnel in a in a high position in your new business. And the, and the third mistake about about this is hiring those smart people. Now, what I mean when I say hiring those smart people is this. Sometimes as business owners, we think we need to hire the most qualified person. But where we fail at and where this becomes a mistake is when we don't evaluate, when we don't evaluate, not only if this person matches from a capability standpoint, but where is this person on an emotional standpoint? Where is this person on a value-based standpoint? In other words, is this person aligned with the vision of the leader? Is this person aligned with the mission of the company? Does this person feel the same way towards towards topics and situations as the owner and the rest of the group of the company. So in other words, don't hire people just because they're smart or because they have the credentials and the experience. Don't make that mistake, but hire them because they fit within the company. You can always teach somebody a technical skill, a tactical skill, a strategic skill, but you can't teach morals and you can't teach ethics. Okay, fourth mistake is, this is going to sound a little crazy. Here's the fourth mistake. Only having a business plan. You say, what? Yeah, that's right. Only having a business plan. Look, if you don't have a life plan, you don't understand where you're going. If all you have is a business plan, if you haven't tested your business model, if you haven't tested your marketing funnel, if you haven't tested your value proposition, if you have an idea and you went and wrote a business plan, that is not a good idea because that business plan, here's here's the key thing. That business plan is a plan of assumptions. It isn't real. So if you only have a business plan, and that business plan isn't backed up by any validation, you are going to be in for a very rough ride. I have sat down with clients who have made this mistake and it has cost them thousands of dollars within the first couple of months of getting started. And it's all because they didn't validate. So believe me, if you have an idea and you went and bought a business plan template online or you went and paid some company to write a business plan for you, please avoid that mistake. Get some validation. Okay, the fifth mistake is creating a copycat business. Man, the best example I can give you right now is, you know, we have Uber and Lyft. Um, we're in a new economy, the sharing economy. Since Uber and Lyft has begun to gain mainstream popularity, so many other people are trying to create these copycat businesses in the United States. But the problem with creating a copycat business is the first mistake is you eliminate the ability, you eliminate the ability to take advantage of one of the most powerful fundamental business strategies known as differentiation. Differentiation. Oh, this is going to be a good one. Differentiation can be the differentiating fact in you being successful in business. Pun intended. 
Okay. So here's the deal. If you got a business and you are sharing it with people, you're trying to get validation. You say, Hey, my name is uh, Barrett and I just came out with this great company and I really want to know what you think about it. And the name of my company is company ABC. And they say, Oh, Oh, that's really great. Your company really reminds me of company XYZ. If I did a copycat business and I'm getting that type of response, that's a major mistake. Another reason it's a major mistake to create a copycat business is because you probably don't have access to the resources, the infrastructure, the personnel, the technical know-how, and one of the most important key factors, the passion, the passion that is necessary to be successful in business. Do not create a copycat business out of greed. It is a major mistake that will destroy you before you get started, not to mention the implications that it can have on your name as an entrepreneur value your name. Do not create a copycat business. Create something that you're passionate about with the sole purpose of providing value to people to solve their problems and to bring real and perceived value to customers because you care about them and you care about what you're doing and you're passionate about it. Okay. Mistake number six. This is a mouthful. So I'm going to probably say it twice. Here's the sixth mistake. Underestimating undervaluing and not developing leadership capabilities. I'm going to say it a second time. The sixth mistake is underestimating, undervaluing, and not developing leadership capabilities. Listen, the leader sets the tone for the business. If you are the leader and you are unethical, your people will be unethical. Not all of them. Of course not. But here's an example. If you start a business that really relies upon sales and you say one of your employees witnesses you bending the truth, lying or twisting something or doing something ethically questionable to get the sale, your salesmen are going to do the same thing. If your employees see you cut people off and be disrespectful to people when they're talking, your employees are going to be the same way. Leadership sets the culture, sets the tone for the culture. I think John Maxwell said it the best. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Man, leadership was a very big thing in the Marine Corps. You know, it's it's one thing to be in the Marine Corps and have people do what you tell them to do because you have a positional power. You have a position of power. People will do exactly what you ask them to do when you are not a leader, but you are in a leadership role. Okay. In other words, people will do what you tell them to do as the owner of your business because you employ them. However, a good leader can ask a person to do two things and that person will do six things. That person will go above and beyond because they respect that person and they value that person's leadership. They don't value that person's position of leadership. They value that person's leadership. Leadership is a is a is a great thing. And a great leader is someone who makes leaders. A great leader is a servant leader. If you underestimate and undervalue leadership, does it mean that you will fail in business? No. But will your business be crippled? Yes. So avoid that mistake. Okay. The seventh mistake is a lack of clarity 
of your business and personal mission. Now, in business school, and you guys have probably heard this, whether you've been to business school or not, whether you started a business or not, I'm pretty sure we have all heard of the term mission statement. Hey, what is your mission statement? What's the mission statement of your company, right? Uh, a lot of times we focus on the business mission. Sometimes people don't even have a business mission statement, which is an extreme mistake. They better be listening to the show. But for the most part, most of us are going to say, hey, I know I'm starting a company. I know I need to write a mission statement for my business. But here's what's more important. I believe that your personal mission in life will set the tone for the type of business you start, and that will dictate your business mission. For example, my personal mission is to help others and to give them education so that they can have a fighting chance to be economically free. Okay, that's my personal mission. My personal mission is also to serve others. It is to, you know, to to bring glory to my God. So because of my personal mission, I'm able to say yes to business opportunities that are in alignment with my personal mission. If you don't have clarity on your personal mission, trust me, you will not really have a solid compass of clarity in your business mission. This is why people start businesses that they're not passionate about, that aren't truly aligned with them. This is why things like Enron happens, because there's a lack of clarity on the personal mission first. So in other words, what I'm trying to say with this one is to sum it up is this. Get extreme clarity on your personal mission. And then when you start your business, get extreme clarity on your business mission. Allow that to be the compass for you, your company, and your employees. Uh, The eighth and final mistake is this, a failure to create a durable competitive advantage. Now, here's the cool thing about what just happened right here. In the seventh mistake, we were talking about the importance of having a mission statement and having clarity for a personal mission and a business mission. When you go to business school, one thing they'll teach you is that your durable competitive advantage. And don't worry if you don't know what that word is. I'm going to break it down in a minute. But your durable competitive advantage is derived from your mission statement, your business mission statement. And your durable competitive advantage is derived from the unique capabilities and core competencies of the business that you are starting. So if you don't have a mission statement, it's going to be very hard to kind of discover and dictate what your competitive advantage is. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't get one. It doesn't mean that you can't create one if you really sit down and think hard about it. But I want to talk about two things with mistake number eight. I want to talk about durable competitive advantage. And I want to talk about temporary competitive advantage or something known as economic rents. So first of all, what is a competitive advantage? Here's an example of what a durable competitive advantage is. Let's say... We, me and all of you, all of you listeners right now, we decide we're going to go into business together and we decide we're going to start Acme, Acme company. And what Acme company does is we develop smartphones. We are in direct competition with Samsung and Apple, right? So if we decided that, Hey, the number one reason 
people are buying smartphones is because of the camera. 70% of people who buy a smartphone make the purchasing decision based off of the power and the, and the clarity of the smartphone's camera. Now, if we found a supplier out in China, right? If we found a supplier out in China who came out with this new technology to create a powerful camera, if we bought that camera and was the first company to put that in a smartphone and advertise it, right? Well, we can expect to get a very good market response because we have put this camera inside of our phone. Well, here's the thing. That is not a durable competitive advantage. Here's why. It's just a matter of time before our competitors find out about that supplier, find out who that supplier is, and start buying the same camera technology, putting it in their phone, and giving that same technology a different term, right? We call it the focus pixel. They call it the megapixel. We call it, competitor C calls it the ultra pixel, right? Uh, competitor D calls it the Obama pixel. It's like the government. It sees everything, right? Now, if we wanted to create a durable competitive advantage, we would have created the camera ourselves, and we would have patented that technology and that would have prevented any other competitor from using that exact same technology. So a lot of times, the eighth mistake that I see is business owners don't, A, understand what a durable competitive advantage is. B, they don't understand how to create one. C, they don't create one. They don't pay attention to it. So what that means is, think about your business like a castle. Their castle has no walls. It's open to be destroyed. So those are the eight mistakes. I actually have an ebook that goes into a lot more detail about those mistakes and gives some real world examples. And I'll probably be putting that out a little bit in the future for you guys to download and and read that. Uh, Today was the first episode. It was the introduction episode. So it went a little bit longer than I'd like it to go. And it, it wasn't as detailed or straight to the point as I wanted it. But I did it this way. Because as we build this relationship, I want you guys to understand what it is that I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and how that works. Uh, so the first two topics we covered today, we just covered, uh, you know, what is the Straight to the Point podcast and why should you care? We covered who am I and why am I doing this? And finally, we covered what are the eight mistakes business owners make in some very, very brief ways that you can avoid them. Um And I'm really looking forward to the next episode. Okay, I want to thank you for tuning in today on the first show, the pilot show. I know the first show was a little long. It's longer than I want it to be. But hey, it's the first show. I can tell you this. From this point, we're going to be diving straight into the point. And as far as our next episode is concerned, we're going to be discussing how to adopt the mindset of an entrepreneur. You know, I believe mindset is so powerful. And I will say this, the mindset of an entrepreneur is more important than having money. It's more important than having a great team. It's even more important than having a solid business model and a solid business plan. You know, Zig Ziglar said, you have to be before you can do and you have to do before you can have. And I can tell you right now, people don't just buy your business, they buy you. So join me on the next episode for a three-part series on learning how to develop 
a bulletproof millionaire entrepreneur mindset. Man, I can't wait to see y'all next time and get straight to the point.